Welcome to another Dragonlance Saga Hangout. My name is Adam, and we are going to be talking today about the upcoming changes to Dragonlance in 5th edition, and maybe a little bit of historical changes to try to add a little bit of context, uh, try to work through some of the rumors and uh, some of the little bits of information that have leaked out about the upcoming changes from 5e, and, and try to contextualize, I think, ultimately, why any changes would happen and um, how they actually affect the setting or not. So let's introduce all of our uh, panelists. I don't know if we call that a guest panelist. <laughs> uh, Chuck, would you like to introduce yourself to everyone? Yeah, my name is Chuck Martinell. I uh, work with Dragonlance Nexus. I uh, was one of the authors on Fast Lost, Pouches of Everything, Champions of Kryn. Uh, I've worked on some of the three and a half stuff. Um, I moderate the forum or the board, uh, the Facebook. That's what we call it nowadays. <laughs> Showing my age there a little bit. And uh, <laughs> the alt use yeah. notes. Yep, uh, the email list. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so yeah, that's who who I am. I'm I'm, I'm Dragonlance uh, lover since I was about six years old. So yeah, well, about forty you, years ago, you're releasing a revised version of the Tasseloff pouches of everything, right? We are. We went through and added about 20 more pages of material, went through and cleaned up a lot of stuff instead of releasing an FAQ. Uh, just really, and we cleaned up all the art. We, we uh, commissioned art for the book and um, we got rid of uh, a lot of the tired art that we've seen on the Nexus for years and years and years. So um, everything in the book is, it, it's been, it should be fairly fresh. Um, awesome. Yeah, it's, it's, it's good. Yeah. Uh, Chris, we just see a big Skype logo. You want to introduce yourself? Hi, uh, my name is uh, Chris Andrew. I am a, a Dragonland super fan. I edited the super myself. Um, <laughs> just a uh, consumer um, for a long time of all the uh, the products that, that Chuck has worked so hard on. So I contribute nothing, but I just uh, <laughs> absorb it all. Just been a Dragonlance fan since uh, the, back in the early days uh, in the 80s and... Um, just really appreciative to all the, the people that work so hard on it, Chuck included. Thank right. you. How about you, Curtis? Oh, I'm just a nobody who's been playing D&D since 1997. Uh, I started DMing in 2001 when I was in school. And here we are, still playing, still DMing. Just, <laughs> I never got a chance to play Dragonlance during first edition, but I did get a chance to play uh, Dragonlance during second edition AD&D. Nice. And then we did the third edition version of Dragonlance for a little while, but it, yeah, it was it was a good time. It was good yeah. Time. Well, thank you all so much for joining me. Um, again, we all have varying degrees of exposure to a bunch of uh, the intertubes <laughs> perspectives on uh, everything that's coming down the pipe with uh, Dragonlance for fifth edition. Again, this is before one D and D is going to be coming out, and so the rules as far as I understand it right now, should be in line with everything we already know. Um, and I think that's important to note because that helps ground it with an established game system in order to speak to any potential changes. But ultimately, and please correct me if I'm um, misunderstanding this, it seems most of the fan furor about any potential changes, those who are you know sort of up in arms about it, is based on lore changes and not so much mechanics. Is that correct? 
this is where we all stare at each other, yeah. wondering who's going to talk first. Chuck, how about you? Uh, yeah, from what I've seen, the, most of the complaints have been uh, about lore changes. Um, you know, you've got the classic story of Chronicles, which I think we, we all know. Um, for, for a lot of younger fans, they, that's usually the first set of books they read for Dragonlance if they read the novels. Mm -hmm. And Dragonlance is one of those unique settings that the, the, the books have tied into the gaming side for some reason for so many years that it's hard to separate the two now. So a lot of times people look at what's in the book as canon, and that's the only way it could be. And what's being written or released, if it doesn't match up to it, let's get the torches and pitchforks and let's go to town. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, let me address the chat room really quick. Apocalypse Dan, thanks for joining live. JB, how you doing? Curtis is breaking the fourth wall in here. He's in the chat room and on the camera. Uh, Savage, thanks for joining live. Michael, it's good to see you. Adam Super AC. Man. I wanted super. Damn it. I guess you win. Thanks for joining live. Um, let's see. Who else? Uh, I think that's it for now. If you have any questions or comments, your thoughts, throw them up in the chat. Um, you know, whether they're reflecting off something that we're saying here or just thoughts you have. Um, and we'll get to them. We'll address them. And we'll try to have an, an open dialogue here. You know, let's have a little bit of fun. So, Chris, you're actually playing a fifth edition game now that is... A, a, a sort of a adjustment of the original AD&D modules for Dragonlance. Is that correct? Exactly. Yeah, having a lot of fun with it. So we're playing the old school one, but we, you know, the best we could. Uh, ta uh, Tazelhoff's uh, pouches of everything was a big help uh, with a lot of that uh, conversion. And um, you do have to make some adjustments to the current rule. Like I, I was talking to another fan um, the, the healing aspect where you, you take a long rest and you heal in the entire. Oh, man. In the return of the gods and magic, if you can accomplish the same thing by just taking a long rest. So you do have to kind of tweak some of the, the 5e rules to make it uh, compatible with the, uh, with the original modules. Right. Do you feel like... Um... If you didn't make those changes, does that break the the veneer of Dragonlance for you? Like, I guess maybe. Let's yeah, do like I, I a do, round table I do here. Feel... Go ahead. Yeah, I, I do feel like the um, the current D and D rules are not uh, completely compatible with. Uh, with the original modules, you definitely do have to make a, a lot of changes to it, but it can be done. And um, like I said, Tazelhoff's pouches of everything is a huge help with that. Yeah. Um, Curtis, what makes a Dragonlance game to you that, that maybe, I don't know, thematically or mechanic wise feels like uh, can be changed in the upcoming releases? That can be changed. Okay. Well, meaning, um, you know, that because we have some idea about what changes are being made, you know, how, how you see Dragonlance, do, does D&D 5e and, um, you know, the Warriors of Crane board game, whatever we know about it so far, does that feel like it's breaking the, the way you see Dragonlance as a campaign setting? Well, Dragonlance has always been kind of a mature war story. Um, at least if you go by a lot of the books surrounding that particular era, mm -hmm. and a lot of the different eras always center around this, this sort of exercise of force between two nations, two races, two even, even two ideologies. 
So I feel like that's like one of the core. Uh, that's one of the core themes that you can't really mess with, because in the in the few campaigns that I've been in for uh, Dragonlance, the most boring one was when there was no war going on. Mm-hmm. That, that that's just that's that's not to say you can't have a lot of cool adventures in the world of Kryn when there's no war going on. It's just Kryn really tends to write very well, both from an, an author's point of view and from a DM's point of view when you have the backdrop of there being this more global conflict going on in the background. Because that means that there's a lot more moving parts uh, outside of this exact scene that you and your players occupy in. There's a lot more going on over here. Right. Uh, and that's one, and another, and that's that, that's an element that can't really be messed with, or at least in my opinion, shouldn't be messed with. Well, another thing you can't really mess with is a lot of Kryn is based off of absolute good and evil. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, like I know a lot of uh, fantasy se- uh, settings try to do this sort of gray morality sort of thing. Like, uh, uh, Mistara and Greyhawk tended to do a lot of, of gray morality in a lot of places. You can't really do that in Kryn unless you're mm-hmm. a red mage, of course. But... <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, that is what all- neutrality is all about, right? Yeah, 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 exactly. And so it just feels like those are the two key components that you can't really mess with. Outside of that, I feel like I feel like we there could be some level of play to shift things around in order to make things work. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like Chuck and Chris have said, this is a heavily written about setting. There's whole whole sections of novels about this world setting, and you don't you cannot invalidate any of those those novels. Because now all of a sudden, if someone decides to buy that novel from like a Barnes and Noble or something, now all of a sudden what they're reading is now invalidated. Mm-hmm. So, like, obviously, if you are making a a war setting after all the other novels have been written, that's 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 all untapped potential. You could t- you can go with that. But if you're specifically going for we want to set this campaign in the War of the Lands, then it's like okay, there's a whole bunch of books that are already written about how this goes down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Chuck, do you think that that is probably the biggest problem that a lot of maybe old school fans or, or newer fans that are familiar with the setting have is that they are going back to the War of the Lands and they're sort of changing things just a little bit, even though this is set just before the actual war is supposedly supposed to you know break out. There are some elements to it that, that are different. Yeah, I've always said the biggest mistake they'd ever make is revisiting the War of the Lands. Um <laughs> And and that's you know it's iconic, but it's also one of those things. It's very much like a mold, you know. You there, there's things in there that people have researched and spent hours and hours understanding as a fan base that has to be a certain way. Uh, if you go off that script, it's going to be a lot of difficult uh, feelings and things like that. Mm-hmm. It's very very uh, very highly there's a tons of stuff on that period of time already also so you've got our the, the original deal one through 15 already out there you've got four source books on the war of the lands out there <laughs> um uh, this is i mean it's, it's really tough to find a, a area that's going to be not touched by the war 
that can provide some some interesting uh, mystery and discussion. Even when the authors went back and did Dragon the Lost Chronicles, mm -hmm. when uh, Weiss and Hickman went back, they even took a lot of flack from those from fans who were like, "This doesn't make sense because this couldn't happen because of X, Y, and Z." Yeah. Um, especially with uh, Dragons of Hylos Skies yeah. and the Hourglass Mage novels. They, both those books, I mean, they got beat up pretty badly. Um, and these are the authors who, who took a lot of criticism. You know, the, the two people that most of the people associate with the world. Mm -hmm. Now we're going back and we're going to try to use Northern Salamnia as, as the backdrop. I, I don't like playing with fire. Yeah. Well, and that, that is like clearly what they're doing. I mean, th you know, from trying to sort of step out of it and think in terms of the, the design team, you know, they're thinking, we, what would, what, how could we integrate Dragonlance as a campaign setting that differentiates it from every other campaign setting? Because, you know, it seems like they're always wanting to have one defining aspect of it. And clearly it seems to be war. You know, this is the war setting for Dungeons and Dragons, in their opinion. This is, you know, how we're going to approach it. Why they chose the War of the Lance? Well, obviously it's got to be because it's the most popular era. Again, everyone loves Chronicles novels, and that's a perfect sort of setup for Dragonlance. It's an easy gateway into the world as well. Just read three novels and you're, you know, they're, they're like juvenile adults or young adult novels. So they're pretty quick reads as well. So it's, it seems like the, the easiest barrier to entry. But like you said, it's also probably the most dangerous time because it, every little minutia is known about it. I mean, I, don't, I can't imagine that the di design team would intend to piss off a fan base. You know, their biggest job is trying to incorporate one more setting that is dramatically different than most other settings and make it seamless and integrate so you can bring characters from one world to another through Spelljammer and, you know, all the rules still work the same. If you love using magic in one way, it's going to be the same if you bring it over to Kryn, even though that was one of the fundamental issues that, that separated Dragonlance from all the others is the way it handled um, some magic components, especially in this time frame. Um, so do you think that there would have been another era that would have been better for them to try to introduce Dragonlance in than the War of the Lands? Um, let's, uh, let's start with Chris. What do you think? Yeah, I think that's a good point. I think um, there's, a, there's so many good uh, errors. The Age of Might would have been, a, you know, a good, even the Age oh. of Mortals, which would, I think would have fans because the Age of Mortals was, is the most recent uh, time frame. So I think the old fans would have been good with that. The new fans would, you know, that would have been a good entry point. Um, right after the Cataclysm, I think, could have been very interesting. Um, I, I, the War of the Lances just has too much detail that uh, it's, it's hard to kind of, um, you know, deviate from that at all. Yeah. Um, what about you, Curtis? Do you think that there's a better era that they should have tried to introduce this in? Oh, absolutely. Uh, let me see. It was uh, Age of Dreams. Oh. Uh, humans versus Ogres. That, that, that's what it should have been. Interesting. I've never heard that one yet. That's that's what it should have been, in my opinion. It should have been, you know, it should have been, you know, great ogre empire is embracing cruelty and authoritarianism, and it should have been humans rising up to, to you know, to gain to gain their freedom. Wow, because you could have had 
I mean, that's such a huge time span anyway, but there's a lot of really important things that happened. You know, you, I, I think it wasn't that the, the era where they formalized the orders of high sorcery and the dragon wars as well. I believe so. I mean, that's going way back because ultimately, you know, one of the big disconnects in my opinion is the use of magic and clearly of, of healing magic, but specifically magic as in, sorcery as we understand it in Dragonlance versus mages, you know, wizards as we understand them in Dragonlance. You know, sorcery is primal magic from the earth, wild magic from the fifth age, but it also existed before the gods started assigning and controlling um, magic. And so that being that far ahead of time would have been a, a nice little opening to, to not cause any problems in being able to you know, use sorcery with wizards or mages. Um, Chuck, what about you? What do you think would be a good time frame? Well, anybody, and I'll say anybody who, who knows me knows the one time frame I hate the most is is the uh, Chaos War. Oh, really? And and mainly because the story is so bad. <laughs> like, like I try, I try tried to sugarcoat it, but I mean, a lot of people like Dragons of Summer Flame, mm -hmm. but it's, overall, it's it's a very choppy story, very very hastily written. Um, the, the story itself, there's so much you can do with it that would make it so, so, so much better as an adventure um, versus what we have. And there is no real adventures in that time period. And also, if you're looking to reboot a setting, which to me, this is what the, the, the setting book is trying to do a bit, is reboot it. Yep. Why don't you reboot it from, from the greatest, greatest mistake they ever made? See, this is a perfect example. It looks like you got some thumbs up from Curtis as well. Um, I, Ryan, thank you so much. I really appreciate that. Uh, I'm going to come to that in just a second. Uh, the Chaos War, you know, there's only, to my knowledge, one, maybe two adventures that were introduced. And that was between the time of um, Wizards buying out TSR during the Fifth Age uh, saga system uh, of Dragonlance. And it was Seeds of Chaos and there was another one that might have been around that same time. But Seeds of Chaos dealt directly with the war in Planthus and having to go into the Abyss and fight and stuff. And it was done primarily in the Saga system, but then Wizards saw that those sales were flagging. And so they added in AD&D 2nd Edition as uh, game mechanics that you could also use to play. Um, so that, that would be an interesting time. And we know that it was originally supposed to be a trilogy, the Summer Flame. And so maybe it wouldn't have been so choppy if they actually got to you know, do the other two books and maybe that would have also changed this first book. But I agree that, that, that time was the most tumultuous and I can't understand why anyone who has been a Dragonlance fan who lived through second edition to saga system is somehow saying that the changes from fourth or third edition, uh, to fifth edition Dragonlance is a big change. Nothing changed more than the saga system changed. I mean, it was insanity, yeah. like everything they did. And I'm playing a game in it because I liked it when I was playing it. Um, so I don't know. What was the, what was the most tumultuous time uh, in your opinion? And let's just sort of do a, a, around the room here. Chuck, what was the most difficult period for you as a gamer to try to get over the, the Dragonlance game system jump? Was it one to two? Was it two to Saga? Saga to third? Third to fifth? What do you think? Uh, two to Saga because everybody quit that I know I was playing with. <laughs> um, the, a lot of them just did not like the card system. Um, they didn't understand it. Where's the dice? Um, how's why are hit points the way they are? 
uh, which a lot of saga ends up kind of going into fourth edition, which trickles into fifth edition a bit. So, um, but yeah, that was probably the roughest time period. It was the time period I hung hung it up even. Like, oh wow. I couldn't find I couldn't find anybody to game with. I was just like, no one wants to play Dragonlance, and I was like, okay, I guess I'm going to the realms and uh, a lot of homebrew stuff at that time. Um, oh, no. Did a lot of Call of Cthulhu. Oh hell yeah. So that's fun. So yeah, that that was the roughest. Yeah. What about you, Chris? What's your what was the most difficult time period uh, shift game mechanics? Yeah, I have to agree. Uh, this, you know, to the saga system, but um, I think it's it's very uh, underrated. Um, Adam, you mentioned we're playing a game, and it's a uh, it's a lot of fun. I, I just think people had a, a difficult time with um, the the lack of the dice. I mean, it's such a mm -hmm. fundamental part of Dungeons and Dragons the dice roll. Yeah. So not having that, I think, was you know scary for a lot of people, myself included at the time. But I think if people give it another shot, I'm really enjoying that that game, and and the system has a lot of um, a lot of positive aspects to it. I think people should revisit that at some point. It's, it's a lot of fun, the Saga system. Yeah. Well, what about you, Curtis? What is there a, a game mechanic change that was the most dramatic for you? Yeah, it was definitely because I, mean, I never played. I think I played the Saga system once, but uh, for the most part, me and my playgroup, we we transitioned directly from second edition to third edition. And that was incredibly jarring because if you know anything about the core framework of third edition, all the CRs and all the expectations of the mechanics are all based off of Forgotten Realms and um, Greyhawk's expectation of healing magic. And so if you try to set uh, Dragonlance in third edition, that changes everything about all the difficulty expectations of the core game. Mm -hmm. And we had a lot of characters die in those first five sessions. Because, again, like, especially with inexperienced DMs who don't really don't really understand, like, the core fundamentals of each individual system, they just, re they just pick up the monster manual and go, oh, this is a CR1 party. I will choose the CR1 creature. And then when, when healing magic isn't as available in Dragonlance, as it as it's expected to be, in Core Third Edition, that ends up becoming a huge problem. Mm -hmm. And that was the, and it seems like such a small thing, but that was that was the most jarring part uh, about my transition from Second Edition to Third Edition was just how much healing was available in Third Edition, and when you remove that or you heavily limit it, all of a sudden the difficulty of the game is drastically harder. Yeah, I bet. Yeah, the third edition was the one I played probably the least out of all the different different editions. Um, and it, it just felt the crunchiest. You know, it was like the most min-max version of D&D &D ever created. And it just didn't really appeal to me. I'm not that type of a player. I, I like I like role-playing more than I like dealing with math. <laughs> so it, it was a bit more challenging for me. I'm just a big dummy. Uh, let's put a pin in this conversation really quick. This is a Dragonlance Hangout. Let's answer a question here. So Ryan asks, thanks again, Ryan. Isn't the Dragonlance Chronicles ready for a serious film adaptation like Lord of the Rings? There's a huge built-in fan base. Um, I want to start by that and say, is there a real huge built-in fan base? What do you think, Chuck? I think there's a super loyal fan base. For sure. Um, very dedicated fan base. Um, I think it's going to grow substantially when, when the, the new source book does drop. 
Um, even even the novel sales for Dragons of Deceit were, uh, I think, above expect expectations. Um, from what I've heard, is yes. is they 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 have been selling very well. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that the fan base is going to keep growing. Do I think it's a huge uh, Lord of the Rings type thing, Wheel of Time? It's yeah, I I don't see the fan base that big yet. Uh, I know Joe, can never say his last name, Manella. Maganella. There we go. <laughs> he's been trying to shop around a film script for years and hasn't gotten a lot of traction. I know he's currently he's doing a D and D documentary, and Dragonlance will be part of it. That'll be out next year or 2024. Mm-hmm. That's so. But I I think if if things do well and sales do pick up you will have a shot at, at seeing a big screen probably in the next uh, five to ten years, but hopefully it's not another uh, autumn twilight movie. Right. <laughs> so, Chris, can I ask you, um, let's say we do get a real-life action film, film adaptation. Historically, looking at past Dungeons & Dragons films, I know there's another one coming out next year that I don't know, looks good or bad, depending on who you are. Um, Do you think they could pull it off and make people happy? (laughs) Yeah, I definitely, I think the bar was set kind of low with the, uh, the, the cartoon movie. So I think that definitely would uh, appeal to the fans. I get excited every time there's a new uh, fantasy setting uh, TV show, like wheel of time that comes out. And I keep hoping that that's going to help. I feel like the, the fan base is very loyal and there's also a bit of a resurgence going on. I think the timing of these new uh, products is not uh, coincidental. I definitely see on the Facebook groups that there's members growing, uh, Sages of Dragonlance and, and a lot of different Facebook groups. You see people joining up all the time. So uh, I think uh, there is a bit of a resurgence. I think, uh, Adam, your, your channel has a huge um, you know, uh, reason for that as well. So I feel like, you know, there is a strong fan base. And I think if this product does well, I think we will see. Uh, I'm optimistic, of course, but I think we will see something uh, in the future. But I think it's critical that this product does well. So I think even if we have criticisms of it as a fan base, I hope we support the product, uh, you know, buy the product and, you know, tell, you know, Wizards of the Coast that, yes, you know, there is a strong fan base here. Don't don't ignore us. So, Curtis, there is this... Um this sort of mode of fan support um, that we see. And, and, and this was probably the worst version of this, I think, is with the sequel trilogy of Star Wars, where fans are 100% into it until they are just offended by changes in what they understand as canon. Um, once that happens, or maybe they just don't like a particular character for any given reason, then you start to see the fans working against the IP and arguably we can in microscopic ways see that happening with some of the fandom of, of Dragonlance right now of being so you know sort of fists in the air about um, how Dragonlance is being presented uh, thus far do you think that full support behind a project um, even if it has things in it you don't like is best for an IP best for an IP uh... yeah Put this diplomatically. I feel like if you just focus on telling a good story and having good with and having a good time with it, and you you at least pay respect to what came before, I don't think a whole lot of people are going to be that angry about changes specifically for the sake of a movie. Mm-hmm. 
Um, the thing is, is that like a lot of people are really hungry for a really good fantasy movie in theaters. The problem is, is that the 800-pound gorilla in the room is Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. And so they're going to go into that movie theater wanting more Lord of the Rings. Now, obviously, Kryn's a lot different than Middle Earth, obviously. And people will know to expect that. It's just people have gotten used to things like the extended editions of Lord of the Rings and whatnot, where there's just all of this material in movie format an entire weekend to get through it. And I feel like people are going to inevitably go into the movie theater with with the wrong expectations. And so it's going to be very important that you set the appropriate amount of expectations before go before even before even advertising it. Yeah. You have to set the expectations for it before you even start advertising. Now, I think a movie like this could work. Like I said, people really want a movie like this, like this. Because I don't know about you, but I'm kind of getting tired of fantasy worlds in TV form. Mm-hmm. I think something more compact like a movie would serve it a lot better. The problem is, how do you fit the entire trilogy, the original trilogy of Dragonlance, into one to three movies? You're right. going to have to cut some stuff somewhere. Yeah, definite time jumps. Um, but there is a series that did that very effectively, the original Star Wars trilogy. It did massive time jumps from six months to years between each movie, and fans just accepted it because that's how it was presented. Of course, it was 40-some-odd years ago, but... Um, sensibilities have definitely changed in fan interaction uh, so much that you can actually have fans throw up such a fuss that they'll literally change the teeth on the Sonic Hedgehog movie, you know, in order to meet fan (laughs) expectations of all the weird decisions uh, to be pissed about. Um, But I think ultimately we can extrapolate this idea of potential difficulties in converting um, the series into film or TV, for example, with converting it into a new edition of a game. Um, Because you have to make concessions in order to fit in with a different game system. Because ultimately, Dragonlance was never the beginning point of anything other than Saga system. They started with Dragonlance, built a system around it for narrative purposes, and, you know, went away from Dungeons & Dragons specifically so that they could try to capture the spirit of the novels rather than focusing on game mechanics of Dungeons and Dragons. Um, do you think that there w- there's ever a way to, to line up the Chronicles or Legends novels feel with 5th edition Dungeons and Dragons game mechanics, Chuck? What do you think? My, my advice is read the books. <laughs> you don't think that I mean that? I, honestly if that's what you want you want that feel and everything you best off just reading the book save yourself the time and the frustration because there's never going to be a game system that can can line up with that I mean paid to say it but I mean some some sometimes you have a certain expectation of something and I've played DL one through fifteen about four times now oh, wow. and I've had and I've had certain characters live beyond their death points and characters or PCs that have just quit the game because that guy's not supposed to live. Oh, like, wow. Yeah. And, that, you know, it's just like if 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 your only hope is to catch the mood and, and expectations of the novels, then you're best off with the novels. Now, can, can I generate that mood and feel with, with any system I'm running? A lot of that's on your DM. Yeah. Um, if your DM's not not someone who, who can can be resourceful and knowledgeable, 
it's it's tough to pass anything off then. You can put pig lipstick on a pig, but still a pig. And you know, a lot of times people's complaints about D and D, um, other than the fourth edition, which th- those are real complaints, mm-hmm. um, comes down to it, who's running your game. Are they experienced? Are you working with them as a player? Or are you just being that a hole character or a hole player who wants things a certain way? So, um, but yeah, I think overall. To me, 5e can capture the mechanics, but you have to really redesign things and make it work. Mm-hmm. Um, especially like um, like the knights and, and the wizards. You really have to redesign how things are going to work for those because you've got bards who can cast magic now in 5e. That's not a hard thing to shoe in, but it's a hard thing to shoe in in War of the Lance because this is a new concept. Yeah. So does it feel like War of the Lance? You're gonna you're gonna get people on both sides of that one. Yeah. Well, some of the things that I have noticed just from watching the videos of the game developers being interviewed and um, you know the release information from D and D Beyond, uh, and it's posted on D and D is is that they're not restricting anything that I can tell as of yet. You know, they're they're basically just adding you know, moon magic in a very seemingly non-crin way in my personal opinion, but people will follow on different lines than that. Knights, which seems fair enough. You know, I don't have any problem with that. The way they altered the Kender, I'm, I'm okay with, I guess. Um, there's little lore things that always kind of scratch me a little bit off. You know, like one thing I noticed was in the preview, everyone is supposed to have been invited to this town by a female knight of Salamnia. But they didn't exist. There was, you know, maybe in pre-cataclysm era, there was one or two. But the fact that, like, right now, the strength of Sturm's sacrifice, um, there was a lot of different things for me. Um, but Gunther Uthwistan straight up said he rewrote the measure because of Sturm's sacrifice and the impact that Sturm had. And he realized that the knighthood was way too rigid. And so that's when they started allowing females in. You take that away... And Sturm's sacrifice doesn't have all of the weight that it at one time did. And the most notorious, you know, the in the moment point of his sacrifice was so Lorana could get to the dragon orb and, you know, defeat the blue dragon army. But, you know, that the 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 waves of repercussion echoing out from that sacrifice would be moot if if now women are a part of it. I mean, you couldn't even be an Islamia if you weren't like a noble son. Like, you know, back in the lore. So it's it's very strange. Little things like that that really sort of scratch me the wrong way where I'm like, oh, wait a minute. Come on now. And then what about healing magic? Now, 5th edition is lousy with healing. Short rests and long rests and tons of different spells that can heal you up uh, quickly. That shouldn't exist in this time period because this is before even the companions. I mean, does stuff like that bother uh, any of you? Let's start with you, Chris. Does that get under your skin at all yeah yeah definitely i think that's exactly where the the fans seem to have uh, some of the biggest complaints and i'm glad you brought that up with um the female knights because i I think uh, most of us or all of us should be for uh inclusivity but when that inclusivity isn't earned and it's just automatically included it takes away from you know the characters you know earning that like reba silver crown was a great character in the comic books 
but she wouldn't be special if all female uh, were allowed to be. Like it was she had to earn that, you know, with the respect from her father and everything like that. So I feel like if if there's you know female knights everywhere, it kind of takes from the individuality of them earning that right to become a, a knight. And like you said, you know, Sturm's sacrifice is is diminished by just having it up front at the beginning of the game where there's already female knights. And and I think people, a lot of fans have issues with stuff like that. The fact that um, uh, Soth is uh, now, you know, leader of a, a dragon army when he really wasn't interested in the in the Queen's War in the books. You know, I, I think it's little things like that that it's uh, what's turning off a lot of the, uh, the older fans. Uh, well, Curtis, what do you think about Soth being a dragon army leader, supposedly? That was never his thing. Like, that was... Like, he was specifically like, what? There's a war going on? I literally do not care. Like, it's like, like, and now all of a sudden he goes from just this powerful entity that's in the world, but is not actively involved. That's part of the, like, the interesting thing about Dragonlance is that, yes, large portions of the world are good versus evil, but you have a lot of this, like, narrow band of neutrality that are just either just trying to survive or being like, I literally have no interest in this world. Like, mm -hmm. Like, like the, uh, the, the like the Tower of High Sorcery, there was that constant debate going on about whether or not to get involved, if I recall right. And of course, some were some were trying to assist under the table, but for the most part, it was, if I recall right, it was the general understanding of the tower. It's like we don't get involved with the politics of the world. We're just here to practice and master magic. Yeah, like, Parsaline is the one that broke that. Yeah, I, um, I think so. And I think it's because a god approached him about it. So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, I wouldn't say no to a god either. Uh, if, if anyone asks if you're a god, you say yes. Yeah, that's part of why I, that's part of why I, I this isn't a dig at Dragonlance in general. This is just a general dig at D&D in general. I like the idea that, like, because I've, I've been recently playing a lot of Elder Scrolls video games, right? And in that setting, d uh, deities in, in uh, Elder Scrolls aren't like as all powerful as they otherwise want you to believe. Mm -hmm. Like, there's a lot of there's a lot of power in mortal defiance in the against the, the power of a deity. That's not really something that D and D handles very well. And I feel like I don't know. I feel like that might be like an area of storytelling that might work well in Dragonlance, especially if it results in more warfare. But I don't know if that's really a subject we would be tackling in in the War of the Lands, not specifically. But that, that's just you brought you brought up the, the the God coming to visit them, and it was like oh, that just popped out of my brain. Sorry about that. Yeah, no, no, it's fine. Um, Chuck, can I ask you because Soth isn't just coming out with this skeleton horde; he's literally flying a death dragon. And though there, in my memory, there's only one reference to death dragons, and that's at the end of the War of Souls. Does that bother you at all? Nah, I grew up playing Death Knights of Corinne. Ah. So, I mean, I'm back in 1991. I mean, I'm playing that video game. So, I mean, for, for me, South South has another story. I grew up, you know, when I was like, let's see, I was like 12, 13 when I played that game. So, for, for me, I didn't know canon that well back then. Mm -hmm. So, growing up... You know, it makes sense to me that South had his own own group of, of warriors and, and, and would battle and fight and uh, was chasing after Kit Soul even during this entire video game. So yeah. um, having a death dragon now, 
you know, it's it's one of those things that I, I guess if I'm going to pick pick a hill to die on, it's not going to be the Death Dragon. <laughs> I I bring it up because it, one, you know, it, it's one of those things that I hear from uh, you know online communities, uh, you know, sort of being all pissed about, but also that dragons are incredibly important to Dragonlance setting. You know, I mean, the original five dragons were corrupted by Tachesis, and then Paladine convinced Reorks to make metallic dragons to sort of make up for it. And they were like the dominant powerful force on all of Kryn. And so it, it's really the, the metallic and, and uh, um, the good and evil dragons that are, you know, we understand them. As the game of Dungeons and Dragons developed, new types of dragons were added. Eventually in the second edition, we had like amphi dragons and sea dragons and stuff. And even in first edition, there was sea dragons um, in your fight to save Istar um, in DL 11. I can't remember. Eight, maybe. Anyway, um, so, you know, it starts to slowly expand different types of dragons in Dragonlance. And certainly as soon as Chaos Dragons hit the mix with the Chaos War, and then we started seeing Shadow Dragons and, you know, all sorts of different types of dragons showing up in Dragonlance, that sort of blows the doors wide off any complaints. And I guess my, my point in bringing that up is Dragonlance lore has always changed and evolved. Even Lord Soth's backstory, Raceland, how he got introduced into the, the School of Sorcery in the first place, the Academy of Sorcery, like those changed over time, even sometimes by the same author. The original poem about the Legend of Huma is wildly different than the Legend of Huma novel by Richard Knack. You know, there's literally no stag anywhere. <laughs> so, I mean, I, Dragonlance has always altered and always changed and always reneged little points and always conflicted. And then later editions would come out or later novels to try to, you know, sort of reel things back in based on the understanding of the designers or the authors at the time of making it. Drow were a part of it. There's references to an orc being in Dragonlance, which we know aren't. Um, so, Chris, for you, does this sort of altering of what we understand as canon, since it has always been the case that it has always changed, should fans even be bothered by it? Uh, I, I, think, I think they have a right to be. I just hope they don't let it uh, take away from supporting the product. Uh, I was talking to um, someone on one of the new Facebook uh, chat groups, or he's new to the Facebook chat group, and he said that he only started playing uh, Dungeons and Dragons during the pandemic. He was a, a younger guy, and he didn't know anything about uh, Dragonlands. And so, um, you know, I, I referenced him to, you know, uh, DL Nexus and to the channel. And I, and I told him, like, start with the Chronicles, and I hope you get as hooked into it as, as, as I love it. So, you know, I, I think we have to try to, you know, grin and bear it a little bit as older fans and just, you know, hope that this is going to be good for the, for the setting and it's going to help grow the fan base. I know, like, uh, speaking of Star Wars, like my son, who's nine years old, his favorite Star Wars movie is Episode Nine. Wow. And as much as that that pains me, <laughs> as much as that pains me as an old school fan of that uh, franchise, also, I just have to accept that sometimes some of the newer things are not necessarily, you know, made for the older fan base. And if it grows the franchise and and that gets them hooked and they start to look back at the older stuff, then it's uh, then it's a positive thing. Right. So, Curtis, for you, is there a, a line that? that we have to just understand as fans 
that maybe this version isn't going to be good for me and I should just accept that the version I love, whether it's first edition, second edition, saga, third edition, that's where I should just live. Like what for you, what is it that that makes fans feel entitled to have their version be the ultimate version? Well, there's not just a, there's a sort of emotional investment that goes into a lot of these games. And you mm -hmm. don't want to, especially in the game so social as D&D is, you don't want to invalidate the experiences and the memories and the nostalgia that a lot of the older crowd has. You don't want to invalidate that. But at the same time, you have to be able to. You have to be willing to reiterate on an on a on an existing idea in order per, to perhaps find a more perfect expression of that idea. Mm -hmm. um, normally, I would I would my line is at new races because I especially for Dragonlance I do not accept brand new races being introduced out of the blue uh, in Dragonlance because uh, each race brings with it a certain uh, cultural force. Yeah. If you wanna, if you want to find a word for it, a cultural force to not just the world as is, but the world history. So, and what, like, just to pick a video out of your list, what about the history of Palantis? Like, what if there was an orc horde near that near that area where they were first settled in after being crashed ashore? different story for the history of that region, right? Yeah. Same thing with any other race that's never been part of that world it, during the whole development of the world and its history. Like, the moment you start adding races into the history of the world, you're either saying, A, they don't have a cultural force strong enough to influence the history of Kryn, in which case, why are they included in the first place? You're literally only including them for aesthetic purposes. Or two, you're literally saying um, they have political force, but the butterfly effect has doesn't uh, doesn't have any influence on history. In which case, that's like so the choices of individual characters never matters. There's a there's a predetermined destiny for all things, which has a whole lot of implications behind it. So that's why that's why for a lot of fantasy settings, I don't prefer all powerful deities. I prefer extremely powerful deities, but not ones that predetermine everything before you're even born. Like, I don't like that as a storytelling mechanic. Right. But you still have to respect history. You still have to respect the cultural forces that existed in the world setting to begin with. Mm -hmm. That's where I draw the line. Now, a lot of the smaller details, like Soth being part of the war, there's a death dragon. He's riding a death dragon because why not? And a whole bunch of smaller bits and pieces like that. I'm not that. I'm not that bothered by it, especially if it just, if it's just going to turn out that you know, it, it's not going to change the course of history at all. But when, but like I said earlier, when you introduce one or more new races, especially if you introduce the whole slew of races from uh, Monsters of the Multiverse mm -hmm. into Kryn, that's a lot of cultural force that is suddenly decided to either a not be potent, which would be insane. Or B, uh, not have any influence on the shaping of Kryn's history altogether, which would also be insane. So, I'm, and I'm sorry to go on at length about it. It's just that's that's why as, as, as I get older, the more I appreciate the the strands of history. Yeah. Uh, Derek, thanks for joining live. Goldman, great to see you. Uh, Derek saying the system does not matter. 
if what you have, uh, if you have friends that enjoy playing a game, just have fun. System is a framework. I can't think of anyone better to sort of address that notion than Chuck, who has literally worked on fan created content um, for what decades at this point? <laughs> way, way too long, apparently. Um, so, what do you think about that? I mean, as as a fan, you have you know you're devoted to this this uh, uh, this IP so much that you create custom rules if there are not official rules. Once those official rules start to roll around, you guys, you know, maybe keep your own or adjust them a little bit or whatever. But, like, does the addition even matter for you? No. I mean, I've played, like, I've played Dragonlance. I've played D&D since I was a young kid. I mean, I've played role-playing games for a long time. So, you know, if I said I, play, I played Cthulhu, Cthulhu, I played Delta Green. Uh, play Star Trek. I've played a multitude of different of, of settings and 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 systems. Uh, we've run uh, Dragonlance and Fate. Um, we've done Dragonlance using Cthulhu rules. <laughs> really? Uh, with a Cthulhu character. Oh, the Halloween, the Halloween kind of one-off where awesome. where we went to Dark Dark Keep and visited it. So. Oh man. So, I'd love to watch that. So, yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun, um, and but the group running it was what we were all like jazzed to do that. Um, if I pulled pulled six random strangers off the street and said, "Hey, I've got the greatest rule set ever," <laughs> I'm the greatest DM ever. I guarantee it's going to fail, mm -hmm. unless we're at you know a con, and then they're like, "Yeah, I paid four dollars for this. Yep. Entertain me." <laughs> so. Um, but yeah, I, I think it doesn't really matter about rules and things if you got a good group of people you're playing with. Mm -hmm. That's where the fun is. That's where the stories come from. Where you, when ten years down the road and you tell them about the time when so and so took took the jewel off the the demon's eye or whatever. That's where those stories come from. And that's the nice thing about the the ventures are coming out. It allows us as fans to connect together again. Where I I really felt like three and a half and fourth edition fell apart on those connected uh, adventures. Mm -hmm. um, you know, in second edition, we we could all talk about, oh, how did you get through the 64 K Fox in DL3? Mm -hmm. Well, we didn't. We surrendered. You know, uh, that was the, the the thing. And but now in the, those time period between then, we kind of lost that. And now with the way they do 5e, it's a little bit different. Where we all share that same adventure again. Where we could talk about this is like the worst beginning ever that we're all being sent to a city on a funeral. I normally would, would, as a character, skip that, but, yeah. you know, so it, 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 it's given us time, but a long answer short is, you know, you play what you like. Yeah. You know. um, I guess the, the importance of this question in the context of our discussion may lie in the fact that when we play in a different edition, we typically alter the edition in order to fit the lore that we understand Dragonlance to be. Um, with 5th edition coming out, it's the opposite, where they're making the lore fit the system. And do you think that that is the, the cause of any sort of outcry? And should it be? Um, what do you think, Chris? Yeah, definitely. I, I see your point. It's um, it, it definitely feels like they're trying to kind of uh, pigeonhole it, trying to a round peg in a square hole or vice versa, whatever the saying is. Mm -hmm. um, I do feel like they're trying to this whole multiverse approach to D&D. And uh, I think Dragonlance had so many unique features. You know, the Kender, 
the Knights of Salamnia, the Wizards of High Sorcery, not the Mages of High Sorcery. I, I hope it doesn't lose some of its uniqueness. But again, just to try to keep it on a positive tip, if this is an entry point for new fans, and then they're into it and they want to rediscover some of the older things, um, you know, that's what I'm, I'm hoping to take out of this is that it's a, it's a positive. Yeah. Uh, I want to address a question in the chat here. Michael is asking, is a Dragonlance video game next? Last year, Wizards of the Coast announced that there were a bunch of uh, digital uh, game experiences that were being developed. And he did mention the War of the Lance um, in a strategy context, but whether he meant at that time, because we didn't know, the board game that is now out, or whether he was you know, suggesting there was going to be a video game version of the board game as well, I don't really know. Plus, Hasbro and Wizards of the Coast has gone through changes since that was announced. So, who knows? I mean, just a couple months ago, Wizards of the Coast was taking a, a full media assault approach on Dungeons & Dragons where they were going to be making movies and TV series and they were just going to be branching out the IP. But now with the new leadership, that seems to have sort of been dropped in their sort of pivoting direction as Dungeons & Dragons sales have been lagging as of late. Um, so who really knows when you're, when you're talking about trying to create something long-term, like the development process, like a Marvel universe or a DC universe or something, or Star Wars with a company that pivots on a dime based on sales, there's no way to plan those big, you know, projects. I mean, we're lucky we're getting any Dungeons & Dragons film after the previous ones had all flopped. And just based on the history, this one will probably flop. And so with that in mind, you know, sort of guiding some of the questions I was asking earlier, maybe we shouldn't have a Dragonlance film because they may not know how to execute it. I mean, you know, for me, reflecting on series like House of the Dragon, those scenes of like dragon fights, that would be amazing in Dragonlance. I mean, just some of the most exciting yeah. stuff and the political dramas, it, it just fits perfectly with the Dragonlance War of the Lance world. But the people who own the IP are, they can barely even sell products years at a time, let alone, um, you know, because they're constantly having to change editions or, you know, bring out new toolkits that end up flopping. And, and it's like that just affects the direction moving forward. So, um, Chuck, if we cannot be, um, if we cannot rely on the company to consistently provide a unified vision of a game system or an IP, then it is up to the fans to do so. Um, do you think it would be a problem restricting some of the open options of the fifth edition um, Shadows of the Dragon Queen adventure that's coming out in order to make it feel like Dragonlance? Or do you think that some players would have a problem with that because it's not official? Boy, that's a grenade. Um, I mean, uh, gosh, I mean, you're going to have both sides of the coin there. I mean, you're going to have people who are going to scream at you if you restrict it. You're going to have people scream at you if you don't restrict it. Um, you know, my advice is always do it. Do, it's your table. Pick what works for you. Mm -hmm. um, I personally, um, if, if, if you've checked out Task Lost Pouches of Everything, um, you probably know my feelings are we i i don't mind restricting things i don't mind cutting off some corners here and saying like hey you you this is what's allowed what's not allowed like we try to be as inclusive as possible but there's just some things that that change the story and the setting so much that you have to 
you have to figure that out and what works. So um, I think, you know, the book coming out, is going to be wide open. Um, it's going to be free for all forever you, you would like to, to have at it. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there's going to be female knights, just like mm-hmm. Astinius said during, during the Third Dragon War um, in, in Chronicles. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there was a female knight then. Um, there's going to be um, tieflings running around, um, things Oof. that I don't feel <laughs> iconic to Dragonlands. Yeah. Um, but then again, at my table, I, I can set the rules of like, hey, this is what's allowed and what's not going to be allowed, and um, I, I can I can do that. Um, the The biggest change that I have with w- what's coming out is I don't like the backgrounds that they're they're throwing out there. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't like me as a zero level character just taking background of a knight. Um, I kind of it's kind of a dumb feat. It's kind of a it, it's it, for it's power creep. Mm-hmm. what it comes down to and and when you have power creep that's that's not good for your game design um so i would do wish they would have restricted that to a more hardcore traditional following of the the knight's path of making it into a subclass mm-hmm. making it into something i have to take at third level i have to make that decision then um and, and make it work versus uh, i can just shoehorn that in at level zero and i'm good to go mm-hmm. so uh, I think the overall, though, um, Dragonlance has to be restricted in some ways to make it feel like Dragonlance. I don't think we're going to get restricted Dragonlance with this book. So, yeah. Um, I just, I'm, I'm like terrified. There's just going to be like a Gith Yankee army of playing characters, <laughs> like fighting the War of the Lands. <laughs> They're like the new hero, or like a bunch of little kitty people. <laughs> <laughs> well, that that's the thing is you're gonna get these uh, odd player characters that you're gonna have to shoehorn backstories into, and yeah, I I, I love the the ideas of playing you know the, a tabaxi or or something like that, but it's tough to um, do that in, in Dragonlance in the War of the Lands. Mm-hmm. Um, if they had once again even the Dragons of Summer Flame, they tried to introduce the uh, Blue Man group. <laughs> and they backtracked on that pretty quickly if these elven-looking blue guys are all of a sudden humans instead of being a new race of, of something. They're like, oh, they're just some humans we lost. They're on this island over here that's not a continent. You're, you're referring uh, to the tarmac, right? Yes. <laughs> just so people know they may not know. Yeah, they're the tarmac, the blue man group. Yeah. <laughs> so. This made me think of uh, – yeah, okay. So um, – so, Chris, uh, if you were going to run or play in a 5th edition game and the, you or the dungeon master said, you know what, I know that this book says we can be way open with all these different things, even with the magic, for example. But me running this or your DM running this saying, I'm not going to allow any healers until a per- certain point or I'm not going to allow any sort of caster classes unless it is someone who relies on the magic of the moons and they're a part of the orders of high sorcery, like with those type of really strict restrictions, would that be a good thing in your opinion? Or do you think that that's sort of taking away some of the, the fun of option? I think it's definitely a, a balance there and you have to know the, the players that you're playing with and, and how invested they are into mm-hmm. the Dragonland setting or, um, you know, steeped in, in the lore that they are. 
But uh, I'm playing with uh, my nine-year-old son right now, so I've had to learn to be very, very open-minded. Um, he's a magic user, and he continues to uh, – his attack method is to pick up rocks and throw them. Um, so I've had to learn very, very open-minded. So I'm probably the wrong person to ask because I do tend to be more lenient. Um, but I do think it depends on the players that you're playing with and, and how vested they are. Uh, in Dragonlance and uh, and kind of adjust from there. Yeah. Well, we've sort of hit the hour that I was planning for this discussion. Um, and so I, I want to sort of wind down the conversation, but I want to give everyone an opportunity of saying, you know, one thing that they look forward to about the upcoming release and one thing that they're a little bit concerned about, uh, just so we can get a, a solid understanding of, of what different people think about this. Um, again, without holding your breath, stomping your feet <laughs> until your face turns purple. So um, let's start with you, Curtis. What what do you like about what's coming out, if anything, and what do you not like, if anything? Uh, what I like about what's coming up, definitely the war game. Yeah. I am super duper looking towards that war game because it's looking really, really nice. Not as many miniatures as I would have liked, mm -hmm. but it's it's got all the chits for it. It's great. Absolutely love it. Um, the thing I'm not looking forward to, Spelljammer was a mistake, in my humble opinion. Like, it, yeah. just the concept of Spelljammer, right, makes it so that you cannot create a world with that, without the context of the rest of the cosmos. Like, so you, you basically, as a DM, have to cut out Spelljammer entirely as a concept. Because otherwise, you're going to have people like, well, I'm going to Spelljammer my way to this world as a tabaxi. And it's like... Can we not? <laughs> that, and it's and, and it, like it's not even the fault of drag, the Dragonlance book by itself. Yeah. It's just the fact that we know they're going to say, "Hey, we could have all these new races in Dragonlance," and it's like, do you do you, do you understand what you're doing? Like, mm. yeah, but I've already spoken about that. So, um, well, let's let's go counterclockwise, uh, Chris. What what do you really like about it? And what you don't necessarily like about it, if anything. Yeah, definitely. No, there's a lot I, that I am positive about. And just in general, if you think about where the setting was about four or five years ago, mm -hmm. there were no books, uh, no uh, gaming products. There was no, uh, you know, DL Saga channel. So I think the uh, Dragonland setting is in such a, a positive place, and I'm optimistic. Uh, specifically, what I like about the the new setting is uh, I do like the uh, the story idea where you're starting out in, in a town, you get to do some fun things. I think there was a fishing contest they referenced. Um, I think that that is a fun idea, um, similar to the uh, the way you started the Saga game, where <laughs> yeah. we, there was pie-eating contest. Some of your ideas. No, I like the idea that you get familiar with a town, and then uh, all of a sudden the armies come. I think that's a pretty cool entry point. Yeah. Um, as far as uh, neg negative, I'm just worried that they're changing the lore of what occurred during the War of the Lands too much. And if it gets to the point where the companions are kind of um, obsolete and their sacrifices have nothing to do with the storyline, uh, I just feel like that that's tough to take from a lore standpoint. But yeah. uh, overall, very positive. And how about you, Chuck? What do you think? I mean, I'm going to start with, with, with what I'm not looking forward to. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm not looking forward to uh, folks who are going to be upset about little things. Mm -hmm. uh, folks who are going to be like, that's not the right color of red for that robe, or they look at the art and they're like, that, that art can't exist because that's not how I pictured it in my mind. Now I'm looking forward to those those discussions. Um, I'm and looking, you know they're coming. <laughs> oh, yeah. And it's already starting. I mean, yeah. it's just like, oh, that dragon can't wear armor. 
I don't know. Could could they? I mean, if I if I if I was at a dragon, I'd probably armor it too. You know, how expensive those things would be. You armor keep alive. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, and it's just an artist how an art artist and you know viewed the picture. So mm-hmm. you know, and I'm cool if you don't like it, and hopefully you're cool that I do like it. So. Um, you know, that, that's what I'm not looking forward to is, is people with, this is the one point of view and it has to be this point of view. Um, I am not looking forward to, um, calling things by like mages of high sorcery. Um, it's because I'm going to say wizards of high sorcery all the time. Yep. Um, I, hopefully they have a good explanation for it better than the uh, three and a half team did with sorcery. Um, so I'm hoping that does exist. Uh, that explanation what will make it better. Things I am looking forward to is that Dragonlance is back as a in an adventure path. It's been since 2008-10 since we've actually really had anything coming out for Dragonlance. So my kids growing up, my oldest 13, has never actually had it. She's she's excited. She's read Chronicles. She's oh, into awesome. it. We're gonna run it, and I'm gonna run with all three of my kids, and we'll see how it goes. Um, and also run with some adults and see how mm-hmm. it goes. The other thing I'm excited about it is is using that board game and setting book at the same time, uh, the adventure book. See how well does that match up and play. Yeah. Um, I'm also excited for um, just just in general a, a new beginning. You know, mm-hmm. the the as Chris said, I'm more excited for kind of a small beginning, short, a quick start versus um, most of the books you just thrust into a war scene. Mm-hmm. You know, here here war will come to you. Um, which I love that idea. Yeah. Um, and, and I'm excited to see what they come down the road. Um, I, I've been told there's Dragonlance video games coming out. So that would be right. awesome. Be... And and, and that, that's from that's from someone who knows. So that's awesome. Yeah, I mean they did mention it last year in an interview. Yeah. So I just talked to someone last weekend about or this yeah this weekend about it, and he said they're still in production. So that's great. Uh, are you allowed to say what type of game it is? He can't. He couldn't tell me that. He's got an NDA, so. Okay. Well, that would be really, really neat. I mean, arguably, you know, the games for Dragonlance have been kind of hit and miss, you know, depending on the platform that you're playing it on and, you know, the games themselves. But, you know, the gold box are just universally kind of reflected as good and fun. So oh. I'd be kind of okay with something like that. Um but like I don't know, you know, there's a lot of like third-person like Jedi Fallen Order games that I would love to see like a Dragonlance version of, sort of reskin or something. Um, yeah, for me, I'm I'm not really looking forward to any of the the fans, you know, shaking their fists and um, sort of calling sides. You know, I, I watched the Star Wars community completely fall apart, um, and I, I hated it. And it just it's it's a pointless exercise to. It gets you more clicks. In YouTube and in social media, it gets you more attention, which actually makes you money, which I think is part of the reason some people do it. Um, you know, saying like, Dragonlance is dead. Well, you're going to get tons of views from that. And I, I don't do that because it's 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 shitty. <laughs> it's just a <laughs> shitty way of doing things. Um, so I'm not looking forward to the potential fan backlash. And I always just want to temper any of these conversations saying what you loved about it is still there. Just go enjoy that version of it that you loved. There are people out there who also love every version of the game. You can find groups to play in, or if you just want to sit and reread, then do it and ignore everything else. I and mean, this is one of the reasons why I'm not in social media in general, because 
I think, first of all, humanity is the worst, but also it just, it forces you to amplify everything to the nth degree. And I would rather see Dragonlance through the lens of me and my close-knit friends than a nameless surge of fans, you know, shouting at each other from across the internet. That has no interest in me at all. So I'm with you on that one, Chuck. Uh, I am looking forward to the board game as well. I think that war game is going to be, um, even if it's not exactly the best, it's going to be a lot of fun. Battle system wasn't that great. Uh, it was a very convoluted game system, you know, and it came out directly with, I think it first was uh, DL6 or DL8 was... It was when they went down to Ice Reach. You could you, like swap out to the battle system rules to to deal with the Battle of Ice Reach, and I've played the the Battle of Colonisty that came with the battle system box set when it was first released uh, originally, and it is uh, with Derek in the chat, and it was a rough experience. So anything better than that is going to be a hundred percent awesome in my mind. And this, you know, it's done by some you know names in the in the industry. So I'm looking forward to to playing that and it's all going to be streamed too i'm doing a, the whole campaign streamed and so i'm going to try to limit it so that it feels like Dragonlance if i have to after i've read it so i hope you guys will join and, and check that out when that happens um i want to thank each of you for joining us live and thank you guys in the live chat is there anything you wanted to promote uh you know where people can find you online or any individual projects that you're working on uh before we hang our hats for this episode chuck is there anything you want to say um, I mean, you can find us on the DragonlanceNexus.com. Um, most of my stuff is, is going up there. Um, I'm working on finishing up Champions of Kryn Chapter Three. Um, learn, learn the pleasures of uh, saving things to OneDrive, but then losing access to it. Oh no! Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, no. so I had I had forty-five pages of it typed, ready to go. I had about ten more pages to go, and I have the account that has access to it is locked out. So. Oh my gosh! So, <laughs> starting from scratch again. So about halfway there again. <laughs> Yay! All right, yeah, I'm looking for that. It was a delightful September. <laughs> just you screaming! Ah! Yeah. I was just like, I was like, how did this happen? They're like, well, we don't know. And it's like, uh, why are you so useless? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Chris, do you have anything going on? Where can people find you online? Uh, just no, not for myself, but my uh, my son uh, makes me uh, tell that he has a channel where he does like Minecraft videos and some other fun stuff. Boom, Anakin twenty one. So he makes me tell people. So um, if you could check that out, he gets excited when there's likes and, and stuff like that. And then looking forward to uh, episode three of uh, the Saga game. I'm having a lot of fun Next with week. that. I know is out there. Derek is in the chat and a lot of fun with those guys and uh and with you so that's it awesome and curtis uh, do you have anywhere you'd like to direct people online or you any projects you're working on oh no i am a nobody on the internet and i intend to stay that way <laughs> you people that you people that constantly go online and share your lives with people on the internet you are braver men than i am <laughs> awesome well thank you all once again i appreciate your time and attention and again this is dragonlands so let's move forward and just enjoy it the way we want to enjoy it without worrying about what anyone else thinks of it, because who cares? Have a fantastic day, everyone. Thanks for joining. Until next time, Slanjavar.